You're listening to the Human Business Narrative Podcast with your host, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Eastern European, Ivan Tamilkov. Yo, what's up, guys? My name is Ivan Tamilkov. Thank you for tuning in to episode number eight of the Human Business Narrative Podcast with yours truly. If you are a first-time listener, thank you for downloading my podcast. I'm truly humbled and most grateful to you for spending the time in doing so. This is a podcast where we discuss human business, human centricity, entrepreneurship, digital marketing, social media, and special guests and industry experts share their compelling stories to success and fame. The one major key takeaway that you should be extracting from each episode, including this one, is the importance of human centricity in entrepreneurship, business, and marketing. Before I forget, head on over to bit.ly forward slash human business to download your free copy on five essentials of strategic human marketing. It's a great white paper uh, that you should have handy, something that you can reference to. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, please send me an email at ivan at razorsharpdigital.com or you can also tweet at me at HBN Podcast. It's been a rough winter, guys. Um, just looking back at the la- the last eight months or so, I think a lot has happened. And particularly, I think that um, it's just been a, a tough season on allergies, on, on viruses and colds. And um, it's no exception this month. As a matter of fact, I'm still trying to get over something, whatever it is that, that I've had. As a matter of fact, I think that it might be allergies that I'm developing. And um, it, it's actually quite funny because I'm in my late 30s now. And I'm just finding out that I could potentially have some allergies. So, it's it's a little it's a little funny it's a little awkward it's a little inadequate probably one of the best choices of words um, to use is to to realize that you have allergies so and that has been particularly true for myself my wife my now 13 month old son also so we kind of battled the winter um, uh, a lot of colds and uh, sinus infections and and things like that but. Uh, Pretty excited about the summer. Uh, we are roughly about a week, I think, away from uh, official summer commencement. So I'm pretty excited about that. Lots of things planned for the summer. And I'm pretty excited because, uh, well, for several reasons, actually. Um, this is the first summer that I'll get to experience with my son because um, he was born on April 7th. 2016 and he is getting ready to walk so this is gonna be the first summer that we'll actually get to experience um my son his his energy and and basically just being around him doing more fun things as a family so i'm pretty pretty excited about that so let's go ahead and dive into the show a few things i want to talk about today if you haven't noticed by now this is a solo episode and i'm actually pretty excited about doing this solo episode because uh, thus far we've had guests on the show and there's definitely a trend that i want to continue i want to make sure that uh, i'm bringing other seasons experts professionals, marketers, entrepreneurs, business folks, whatever you want to call them, 
on the show to share their perspective because I think it's important to understand, especially from an outsider perspective from other people, what things they are implementing in their business that's helping them succeed and how are they leveraging those specific elements. So for the next show, I am hoping for a new guest also yet to be announced and someone that will definitely bring some fire to the show. But without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the things that I wanted to talk about in this show in episode eight with yours truly. So the first thing I want to chat about is the state of digital marketing. And if you're a small business or medium-sized business or corporation, any company really, you should recognize the importance of digital marketing and why you need to embrace that and why you you should be investing in uh, digital marketing. But what I wanted to talk more specifically about is some factual information around digital marketing and uh, talk talk about some specific elements that I think might be beneficial for you to understand and or perhaps these are things that you have encountered that that I believe are, are going to be going to be of some value to you and your business so let's kick it off so the in terms of digital marketing there's a few things that, that you need to consider so do you perform a, an audit for your SEO clients or do you perform audits for new clients period based on a a study less than 40 percent of seo professionals of brands always audit a new client's website so you know this is something that that should be essential for instance if you are working with a new client and you're trying to identify what are some areas that uh, they might be missing out on that they're not generating revenue it might be a good way to perform an audit on the site to determine what are uh, the voids that are missing? That is probably one of the best ways, you know, to do the upfront legwork to find out what's working, what's not working before you decide to often offer any strategies. How often should businesses perform a, a full SEO audit? So based on the study, um, over 230 different uh, brands and marketers is there was indication that 29% of, of those people felt that you should be performing a full SEO audit on monthly basis. So guys, something that I mentioned to my clients, and this is a really, really soft approach, is, is that they need to audit their brand on uh, annual basis. And this particular study shows that you need to audit your brand on monthly basis. Over 29% of, of companies and marketers say that um, this should be done on monthly basis. And here's why. Why should you audit your brand on monthly basis? Well, this, the current state of digital, the digital marketplace is a constantly moving target. And it's very, very hard uh, to maintain a steady pulse on. This is something that a lot of companies are struggling with and it's presenting a lot of challenges with their marketing uh, endeavors or really just, just staying afloat in business. But what you need to be doing is paying your due diligence and auditing your brand on monthly basis to figure out what's working and what's not working. You know, this doesn't have to be a holistic audit that you have to perform on your brand, on your website, on your keyword strategy, on your content strategy. It can be a mini audit, something that you really kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of hyper focus on specific areas that you know are problematic, 
and find out what's working and what's not not working. Um, on average, how much do you spend on SEO tools um, each month? Uh, so SEOs typically spend a few hundred bucks on tools each month, but uh, almost a quarter, 23% get away with spending less than uh, $50 a month. So tools are essential. And uh, depending on the type of company, the, the size uh, that you are, um, you know, that that's really where the differentiation will be. But nonetheless, you also should be slightly uh, more conservative about your tools because there is no need to spend, you know, several hundreds of dollars on specific SEO tools or marketing tools just to find out that you're only using a few of those. So be very selective in the types of tools that you use and only use those that are most beneficial to your needs, uh, the ones that you use most frequently, um, ones that uh, you get the most amount of value. And, and typically, uh, you know, this is where uh, a Google search can be indicative of what are some uh, some of the um, uh, tools that are used by industry experts, by other top companies. So that's on the SEO side on, the, on you know, the audit and evaluation. I want to talk a little bit about social media campaigns and, and metrics. What metrics should you track? to define effectiveness of uh, your work. Obviously, engagement is the most valuable metric, um, but convergence is obviously a close second. I think that uh, when it comes to social media metrics, obviously, it's always most important to define the meaning of conversion, right? Well, a conversion could be a multitude of things, and I think this is really where a lot of companies struggle, not just from a social media standpoint, but also from a marketing standpoint is defining the meaning of conversion. So do you, do you want to track uh, an inquiry uh, on the website or do you want to track um, a phone call that maybe was generated through a social media uh, activity? Whatever that conversion is, you need to clearly define it beforehand, before really you start any campaign for that that matter, whether it's social, whether it's SEO, um, whether it's content, you know, what is the meaning of a conversion? What do you want people to do? What, what kind of action do you want them to take? And what's the goal behind that particular action? So this is extremely important because I think that a lot of companies, not just in the social space, are heavily misconstruing um, the purpose and the meaning behind social media aside from, hey, this there's this thing, social media, and there's Twitter, and there's Snapchat, and there's Musical.ly, and, you know, a bunch of other social platforms, and, you know, come across these very common questions of, you know, trying to determine what the, the meaning of a conversion is, or, you know, what kind of value are you getting out of social media? So again, to take it a step back is, in terms of social media, in terms of marketing, digital as a whole, you always want to define the meaning of a conversion. You know, where where is that ROI going to come from uh, in your in your mind, and then plan accordingly. Um, so, based on studies, um, some of the things that uh, other marketers have mentioned is that uh, when it comes to social media campaigns specifically, what metrics do they track to determine the effectiveness uh, of their work? Um, so 31% uh, track conversions, 39% uh, engagement, such as likes and upvotes and comments. 
Um, so these are really the two main ones. Some other ones are the number of followers, which is 2%. Um, number of traffic uh, is 13% and reach is 6%. So engagement and conversions are two, uh, it's safe to, to say, that are two of the most important metrics, especially in social media and really in any digital campaign that you should be um, uh, tracking. Do you, do you think Facebook is still an effective use of resource for resource for uh, a business? So eighty um, percent of uh, based on an independent study, other digital marketers stated that eighty percent uh, of them think that uh, Facebook is still a viable uh, business strategy for small business. And you know I have to agree, guys. I think um, Facebook, with now uh, reaching two billion users, you know, um, there's just so much untapped potential there. And, um, as Gary Vaynerchuk mentioned recently, Facebook is sitting on the mountain of data. And what's really great about Facebook is that, especially on the paid side of things, you have the ability to control targeting the type of people that you reach. So you have a product, uh, a service as a business, and you are attempting to, to market that to a specific audience, right? So the beauty about Facebook is that they're sitting on a mountain of data that allows businesses and marketers to hyper-focus on a specific target audience. So you want to reach specific people within a specific type of demographic, specific interest, specific geo um, uh, origin. You know, these are the type uh, of functionalities and capabilities that Facebook offers, unlike any other social platform. So that's the beauty about Facebook and and get ready for this. Here's the kicker is the average cost per click. So the cost that, that, that you pay for every time someone clicks on your ad on Facebook is around a dollar or below a dollar still across a good portion of industry. So it's a very Facebook is still a very cost efficient channel for advertising. And really where where this comes down to is that how can be effective with with Facebook is, you know, finding and I'm going to toot my horn here for a second as someone like myself um, who can help you do that to help position your products, your services, your brand in front of a specific audience that takes strong interest um, in those products or services. The next uh, area of uh, state of digital that I want to talk about is uh, pay-per-click marketing and you know, pay-per-click marketing is an essential part of the digital realm. It's something that every business should be using as a viable tactic to attract a targeted audience, promote their products and services. Uh, based on uh, that independent study that I've been sharing thus far with you guys um, that was collected amongst 230 different marketers, uh, one of the questions that was asked was on average how much do you spend on ppc campaigns per month and it's actually quite shocking in a way because i thought that some of these numbers were going to be higher uh, extremely higher but it looks like uh, the ppc space has become so saturated at this point that um, my guess is uh, marketers are are having second thoughts about the uh, effectiveness behind pay-per-click marketing and really trying to get creative with uh, strategies. So um, 12% of uh, marketers said that they spend 
between $1,000 and $5,000 per month on pay-per-click marketing campaigns such as Google AdWords, uh, Bing Ad Center, to be more specific. Now, get ready for this one. 22% don't know how much they're spending. So, you know, there's, and this is actually the largest percentage of uh, the pie, so to speak. That, and it's actually very concerning because if 22% of marketers don't know how much they're spending, obviously there's a clear indication of uh, uncertainty, lack of strategy perhaps, or um, maybe frustration with uh, pay-per-click marketing. Another question that was asked is, what is your average click-through rate for PPC campaigns? 28% of digital marketers don't know. Now, the average is 2 to 3% as a benchmark for a click-through rate, and 28% of digital marketers are not sure of what their click-through rate is. 20% um, have reported that they have a, a 3% or higher click-through rate in their PPC campaigns. 20% uh, have reported 1% to 2% and 28% have reported 2 to 3%. So the 28% of, of unsure, unapplicable, is actually very concerning because it's uh, the second highest percentage uh, of the pie. And it's also a clear indication that a lot of marketers are perhaps on the fence about PPC and are struggling to uh, achieve a click-through rate that is viable, that is suitable, that is comforting for their uh, PPC uh, campaigns. So that was all on pay-per-click marketing. I want to shift towards content a little bit. Um, and talk more about content marketing because this is a huge area that a lot of companies and marketers these days are investing in and you should be too and I hope that you are um, uh, as well and in that very same study that I've been chatting about thus far one of the questions that was asked uh, was do you have a documented content strategy and 53% of those marketers uh, say that they have so that's great to hear that a good portion of marketers are um, investing in content marketing they have a very well documented uh, strategy another question is on average how much do you or your brand spend on content marketing now get ready for this this is a really interesting question 24 percent say that they spend zero to fifty dollars 20 percent say they spend 51 to 300 dollars 17 percent spend uh 300 to a thousand dollars and 12 percent spend five thousand dollars or more so Guys, this is a clear indication, too, that even though there's extreme, extreme uh, importance behind uh, content marketing, uh, a lot of marketers and brands are still sort of on the fence behind that. Um, there seems to be a continuous struggle from a strategy standpoint and um, also implementation execution, finding out how to come up with a valiant content marketing strategy that uh, adheres to the needs and the ones um, of your specific clients. All right, so that was uh, the state of digital that I wanted to talk about. And uh, it mainly focused on SEO, uh, social media, content marketing, uh, pay-per-click marketing. Also, just um, some stats that I want to share with you guys based on an independent study that was performed. And I will also link this up in the description of the podcast so you can check out the infographics at your leisure. I, I think it's something to have. It's a great resource to have. It was published uh, in 2017. And if you, your company, 
your brand is considering a sort of a revived approach with digital. You're curious in knowing what's working and what's not working. Uh, make sure you take advantage of the free assessment that Razor Sharp Digital provides. You can uh, visit razorsharpdigital.com and just click on free analysis and uh, they'd be more than happy to provide you insight with what's working, what's not working in digital and give you recommendations on how to get the highest return on investment. Uh, on your marketing dollars. So next I want to uh, talk about YouTube uh, a little bit uh, and particularly about YouTube Live. So in January of 2017, YouTube Live was rolled out as a future and this was something that uh, was aimed to compete with Facebook Live, uh, Instagram Live, uh, as well. Uh, so in essence, uh, when it was introduced in January, it was actually offered to uh, channels that had more than 10,000 subscribers. So this was a very limited functionality that was available to those who had over 10,000 subscribers. Uh, so obviously these were channels that were very reputable, that had a, a very high demand, very high interest. So, and as of early in May of 2017, the YouTube Live option is now available to everyone. So if you have a smartphone and you have the YouTube app, YouTube Live is probably available. It is a feature that I believe is aimed to compete with something like Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and maybe even uh, Periscope to some extent, um, Twitter Live to be more precise. Speaking of YouTube Live, I just did my first YouTube Live session on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ivan Temelkov, and it's available under the live sessions uh, playlist. So the way YouTube Live works is, it's actually fairly self-explanatory, is that when you launch the YouTube app on your smartphone, smartphone you have two options is to either record a video or you can go live and going live on youtube is very similar to facebook live if you haven't used facebook live for business purposes i strongly encourage you to do so uh simply because uh, this actually segues into one of my next topics that i want to talk about is why video why you need to use video video marketing in 2017 being the year of, of video marketing so what I would encourage you to do is, if you're unfamiliar with YouTube Live, is download the YouTube Live app and check it out. Just peruse around it a little bit, uh, play around with it, uh, test it. I think YouTube Live is a great uh, feature for uh, businesses. It's a great way to not only uh, promote your personal brand, promote your business, your products, services, and um, I think with YouTube being the second largest search engine in the world uh, behind it. Uh, mother Google and yes I use the word mother uh, for the like a better terminology there um, then it's it gonna help you drive some more inbound traffic help you create more visibility and interest and awareness around your brand so again YouTube live uh, should be now available to all uh, across the world if you have a smartphone uh, if you haven't downloaded the YouTube app, it's free. You can download from the iOS app store or from Google Play on your Android device and check out the YouTube Live um, uh, option that is available within the app. Um, if you'd like, feel free to visit my YouTube channel as well, youtube.com forward slash Ivan Tamilkov. Live sessions are basically uh, recorded. 
uh, and then available as videos. So you can find them under my live sessions playlist on my YouTube channel. There's those cool sound effects um, that just chimed in and um, that leads us into the next subject I want to talk about is all video guys 2017 is the year of video and video marketing if you have not considered video marketing yet as part of your brand as a marketing strategy then you really really need to take a a, a closer look into that and really start considering that. And here's why. Let me share some really interesting stats. Again, these are based on an independent study that was actually uh, published by HubSpot. And this is um, the same company that uh, published the independent study on the state of digital, which as uh, an FY will be the links to those state of digital and um, the year of video marketing 2017 will also be Links available in the description on this podcast that you can check out. Here's some cool stats that I want to share with you guys based on an independent st study that indicates why you need to focus on video. And video is the next big wave. It is the wave that you need to be riding. So 74% by 2017, online video will account for 74% 70 of all web traffic let that sink in guys by 2017 so we are in 2017 74 percent of all web traffic will account for video that is a huge number guys i mean we're talking about billions and billions uh of visitors that are accessing the uh, the internet or billions and billions of uh, of traffic that is that is coming through through the internet and, and visits so that that is a tremendous number i mean that's just mind-blowing to me that 75 74 percent of all web traffic in 2017 will be attributed to video i mean that's a huge number and when we keep in mind that 50 to 60 percent of web traffic now accounts for mobile devices and guys I mean this is a no-brainer I mean this is something that you need to be investing in here's another statistic that is even more mind-blowing there's more video content uploaded to the web in one single month than TV has created in three decades so in one single month there's more video uploaded to the internet than what was what was created by TV traditional networks in three decades guys that is just completely mind-blowing I mean it, it really it really is and when you when you consider that YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world then you really need to be investing into uh, video video marketing and being that that being as part of your business strategy because in terms of engagement you know 74% of um, all web traffic this year accounting for video. I mean, that is just a, a mind-boggling number in, in itself. 65% of video viewers watch more than three-quarters of a video. Uh, again, talking about engagement, uh, interest also, you know, 65%. Uh, so that's over half of viewers are watching almost a whole video, you know, and this is across multiple platforms, also multiple video platforms uh, as well. 32% of tablet owners watch about an hour of video on their device every day. Guys, 33% an hour of video or more on daily basis. 
And, and again, I think I personally think that no, that number is actually a little bit uh, lower. Uh, but it just goes to show that tablet owners specifically, so the iPad users and uh, the the Microsoft Surface users, uh, uh, you know, it's it's veering towards fifty percent of tablet owners. Uh, watching more than an hour of video on daily basis. I mean, and I think that number will continue to rise. 28% of smart smartphone users watch a video on their device at least once a day, at least once a day. And again, I think this percentage is actually a little bit lower than, than what I anticipated because, you know, with platforms like YouTube and Snapchat um, and obviously Instagram having video capabilities and Facebook stores, you know, all that, I mean, that is all video content. Uh, there, so 28% of smartphone users watch a video on their device at least once a day. 78% of people watch videos online every week. I mean, Hulu, Netflix. 55% um, of people watch videos online every day. 55% of people watch videos online every day, guys. That is a mind-boggling number. I mean, if we were to quantify that and extrapolate that down to how many people that actually equates to uh, in terms of the number of users that are on the internet today, 55% of those, I mean, that is just completely mind-boggling. So, again, these are some stats that I wanted to share with you guys to really, um, you know, paint a clearer picture of where video is today and why you need to be investing in video marketing as a uh, it's part of your marketing arsenal and um, marketing tactics because it's not go going to go away. 74% of all web traffic now accounts as of this year, 2017, 74% uh, of all web traffic accounts for video. Uh, so it is something that you need to consider. You need to start thinking about your video strategy. You need to start thinking about um, video marketing as part of your marketing approach. All right, so the next topic that I want to talk about is sleazy sales strategies, strategies, tactics, sleazy sales approach in general. Let me share a story with you guys, and I think this was really interesting to me, I think as probably as a marketer and as a business owner as well, because, you know, I think it was a huge red flag for me. Let me explain. I'll try to get to just the story as quickly as possible. This past weekend, my wife uh, wife and I and, and our son our 13 month old son decided to venture out for a quick uh, weekend getaway uh, we were actually staying as a guest um, at a timeshare uh, of a friend of ours a co-worker of my wife's and uh, at a luxurious resort and we're, we're pretty excited you know to to get away for the weekend about you know three days and really sort of you know recharge the batteries and uh, exhale for a little bit and do some fun stuff, you know, some cool things. And um, so when we when we got there, you know, we checked in, you know, did all the, the standard stuff, you know, getting uh, getting into the place and getting a parking pass and getting our room key and all that. And then there comes this part of asking us about the tour. Would you like to take the tour? Um, they asked us whether or not we wanted to take the tour. So naturally, as, as first time guests in a new place, we were inter uh, interested indeed and so of course we showed interest in that and uh, signed up for the tour uh, on the following day and we're pretty excited about seeing the property seeing the amenities and you know things things to do and 
uh, sort of sort of those types of things. So um, obviously, you know, going into this with no expectation with no expectations whatsoever, we're led to believe that uh, we'll be checking out the property, being toured around. You know, probably about an hour at the most. You know, seeing the amenities and things to do. So the next day. Uh, we were asked to show up at uh, a specific location. And uh, when we showed up at that location, uh, there was probably, you know, uh, 20 or 30 other couples or so, maybe more in that particular area. Uh, it was actually a, a building, uh, inside of a building. And um, there were a few people going around. So immediately, and as soon as we walked into the place, you know, there was a red flag that, that kind of raised for me is that, hey, they don't try to sell us on something here. You know, this is, this isn't a freebie. So, um, you know what? We walked into there and, um, you know, sat down, you know, they asked us for our name and, you know, some personal information, which, you know, this was a second red flag for me uh, that was indicate indicative of the fact that, Hey, they're going to try to sell us something. So, um, what basically happened is we were, or I specifically, uh, was walked into a presentation that talked about the difference between a traditional timeshare and a vacation rental and basically with the intent of buying a vacation rental. So I was very uneasy about this, obviously. So, you know, I went with it and, you know, gave the benefit of the doubt. And after the presentation was over, we toured a couple of the properties and, you know, they showed us uh, the pool area and, that was more or less um, it. So what basically happened is, is what I didn't like about this is just that there was no clear preparation about the fact that uh, we would, we would be, there will be an attempt to, for, for them to sell to us. And there was poor pre-qualification also in the entire process to, to really indicate that we were even in the market to, to buy a vacation property or, you know, uh, what many people would call a timeshare, really. So, you know, I thought it was a, a really sleazy, a poor sales approach uh, with little to no prequalification of the consumer to identify whether or not that we're even in the market for this, you know. So um, that was really the, the gist of it. What I thought was really cool is just that, you know, even though you sign up for the tour and you wasted two hours of your time, is just that you did walk away with some incentives, um, the incentives, uh, were basically a hundred dollars in cash and then a hundred dollars in, uh, redeemable currency that you could use at the property. So that was pretty cool. I think, you know, as an, as an incentive that, you know, um, after you specially deny interest that, which obviously is something that they don't want, they, they don't want you to say no, they want you to say yes. But what I thought was, was, you know, very sleazy from the beginning is this that you're being uh, led to believe uh, there's a misconception, you know, and, and I think that maybe diversion could also work as a sales technique um, in some industries. Personally, I don't think that uh, misdirection uh, can be a viable uh, sales technique, especially when you're leading people into something that they're completely, completely disinterested uh, in and then wondering about your conversion rate and why uh, you have such a poor uh, closing rate also. So, you know, I, what I thought was, you know, really, really tacky is just that we were, you know, led to believe that we were ex we would expect something and were presented with something completely different. So my 
my recommendation on this is that from a sales uh, perspective specifically is just that be true to your product and service and don't mislead people be transparent and genuine and make sure that you showcase added value proposition before you actually ask them to buy anything um and you know again uh, i really want to emphasize on the importance of not misleading your customers because that is a very, very bad way to approach sales because uh, it could have a very, very, very poor conversion rate. So I wanted to use that example as our vacation stay where, you know, we were led to believe that we're about to hop on a, on a quick tour to check out the property and instead being led into a presentation about buying a vacation rental and, and renting a property when in fact we weren't even a market for something like that. So, you know, this was a... Uh, I think it was a very poor sales technique, um, the way it's it's designed and crafted. I think the program seemed to be very lucrative and you know very beneficial. And people that are in the market for a vacation rental, I'm sure that they would find value in that. However, from a sales standpoint, I think that it was a very poor uh, approach in in the way that it was implemented and executed. entrepreneurship what is it it seems like everyone that i know these days honestly considers themselves themselves an entrepreneur or that they've been in an entrepreneurial world for a long time and honestly i think that we we have seen a height of entrepreneurship in all honesty because there's so much small business that's uprising right now so many people that are venturing out and wanting to do their their own thing and entrepreneurship is just a very very popular a topic of discussion which is why i wanted to bring it up in this episode and i want to talk a little bit about what it means to be all in with entrepreneurship and just share my own personal experience as being an entrepreneur and let me just give you a glimpse without sharing all the information i should wrote an article about my first full year as an all-in entrepreneur and what that meant to me the experiences um the glamour and the successes and the failures that that, that i've seen it's available on medium and i will share a, a link to that article as well in the description of this podcast i definitely want you guys to read it, and here's why is uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about it is because I think that when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially with novice entrepreneurs, I think that there's a huge misconception in terms of what entrepreneurship is, what kind of expectations should you have, realistic expectations, and what does it really take to be a successful entrepreneur? You know, how much time is it going to take? How much money? How much? How much pain? How much anxiety? How much depression? Uh, it's going to take and I know what you're probably thinking right about now you're probably thinking is this the right thing for me look I I don't I don't mean to discourage anybody um, although I did spend some time writing an article on medium with the intent to extrapolate my experience and now May of this year May of 2017 actually marked the first year as an all-in entrepreneur uh, building and working on the development of my digital agency startup, Razor Sharp Digital, which helps companies forge their digital governance 
through human-to-human -human conversions with a strong emphasis on human centricity and the way marketing and business uh, is done. So the things that I've shared in the article, and again, the link will be in the description of this episode, talks about what my experiences were, what I went through, what are uh, some of the failures that I experienced al along the way, and what are some of the successes? Because to be quite honest, you know, I, I think that there's, again, without sounding like a broken megaphone, there's a, there's a huge, realistically, there's a huge misconception uh, of entrepreneurship and what it really is. And I think there are false expectations, to be more precise, especially for those that are uh, first-time entrepreneurs, people who are striving to build a business and don't really have a holistic understanding of what entrepreneurship really entails in. And I got to tell you this, guys, I mean, it's a 24-7, 365 nonstop grind and hustle. Uh, but there comes a point in time where that that becomes uh, significantly more regulated to where you don't have to hustle and grind it as hard. So again, uh, check out the article. You know, I'd love for, for you to share your, your thoughts and comments. If you're a fellow entrepreneur, if someone who is working on building a business or you've built a business or you share the same methodology, I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on that. Now for novice entrepreneurs, you know, some some insight that I want to share that, that I have learned from my own personal experience. And I think it's important to recognize, especially if you're going in business for yourself, is here's a couple of things uh, to consider. First, have a business plan. It's extremely important to uh, have a strategy and a defined direction of how you're going to make this succeed. It doesn't have to be anything official. It could be just a bunch of bullet points. But as long as you have a business plan, um, maybe even a concise version that uh, creates a projected path on how you're going to mar how you're going to build your company, then that's extremely important. Secondly, uh, it always helps to have capital. Venture capital also is extremely important. If you can find funds, um, now there's a couple ways: is you borrow money from friends, family. Yes, that is one route of doing it. Um, or you you maybe seek uh, venture capital. Now, the one thing that you know will be mindful of in that regard is is that you don't want to give up any ownership. Uh, to other people, especially very, very early on of your company, because typically with venture capital, especially you get into the game of uh, ownership and, and equity into your company. So you, you want to be careful about that. But be mindful of the fact that if you need a lot of money to get this business up and running, it might be uh, worthwhile to seek VCs um, uh, to, to do that. So that's the second thing. Thirdly is uh, be consistent, very, very consistent. Um, that is something that your uh, target audience, um, your customers uh, will pay strong attention to. And any slight indication of inconsistency could be a degrading factor for your business. Now, fourthly is, uh, I don't know if there's the best way to really mention this, but uh, be ready for a roller coaster. It's probably one of the wildest roller coasters you're going to be on uh, that you've been on thus far in your life. And there's just so much unpredictability there that, you know, I think that if you're especially if you're someone who's coming from a nine to five gig, I think this, you know, the unpredictability of entrepreneurship and, and the risks, the financial risks that are involved 
I think will be, you know, um, uh, news to you. And it's very, very hard to accommodate to, uh, which is precisely why 99% of entrepreneurs fail because they're incapable of handling all the risks. So, you know, these are the four things that uh, I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, as an all-in entrepreneur, what I've learned in the last year uh, of building my own uh, startup and still working on building Razor Sharp Digital into a, a digital agency that helps establish a full digital governance for companies using human to human convergence. Um, so this was really the last topic that I wanted to talk about guys on this episode. Uh, thank you so much for um, jamming with me. Make sure you check out all the links that are included within the description of the podcast. If I missed out on anything, please do let me know. Um, I always seek feedback. Make sure you tweet at me at HBN podcast or at Ivan underscore Tumelkov. Also at um, at Razor Sharp Digital, if you prefer. Again, thanks so much for jamming with me. I uh, hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Until next time, peace out.